You are listening to the sermon series, Judges, Thrones of the Heart, from Hicksville Cornerstone Church in Hicksville, Ohio. To find out more about our church, visit hixcc.org. Today's sermon title is called The Messenger. We're going to be in Judges 13. We're going to walk the whole way through it this morning. I want to ask, begin with a question, though. Have you ever in your life, not trusted the messenger? Have you ever in your life not trusted the messenger? Now, it affects the message, doesn't it? I'm not going to drop too many names, but I used to have an employment opportunity where there was a young lady, and every time she would approach me and go, hey, AJ, Jennifer has something that she would like you to do. I immediately doubted her words because she had a reputation for liking to get out of work, right? So I'd have to go check from the main sender of the message if she had ever sent it at all. And what also affects the messenger is the extent of the message, right? It's the same way with our children. If Stephen comes up to me and said, Dad, Mom would like you to take out the trash, that's very believable. If he says, Dad, Mom has found enough money for that hot tub, not something I'm going to believe. Today we find a story about a messenger delivering a message. And we're going to see how two people respond to the messenger both the good and the bad. Remember, this story is descriptive, it's what happened, not prescriptive, what you should do. So I'm going to break it up into three sections, and we're going to walk through it as a congregation. So let's begin in Judges 13, 2 through 7. Can you help me out with this one as we move through? There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. Do you see the echoes from what we read earlier in Luke 1? These same themes. And an angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the awesome of the angel of God, very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean, for a child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. We begin with the story of the faithful wife. Just so you know, her name is not given in the text, but she displays great faith. She's probably my favorite character within the story. The story of this woman is one that has happened over and over again within the text of Scripture. Has it not? Sarah couldn't get pregnant because she was old, right? until a messenger came and told her she was going to have a child. She laughed at him. She didn't believe him. And so in a great turn of irony, 
the child's name was Isaac, which means laughter. Rebecca, Rachel, same issue. There's barrenness. But they were given children after they asked of the Lord. And then after this story, we see Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel, same issue. Then Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist in the New Testament, was barren. You see, this motif winks at the reader. God is going to do something special. Every time we see this story unfold within the Bible, it's the author's way of going, there's something in store for us. It's great. Notice this woman's response. It's beautiful. It's faith. It's immediate faith. She believes the angel of the Lord, and faith leads to obedience. The angel of the Lord charges her son as a Nazarite. What's a Nazarite, right? This is laid out for us in Numbers 6, 1 through 21. I'm not going to read it this morning. You can do that on your own. But this is a little different from the charge given in Numbers of what a Nazarite is. It's a Nazarite from birth, and this seems to be for all of his life. Typically, if you were going to take a Nazarite vow, you could do it, and it would be to consecrate yourself to the Lord for a specific season. It didn't have to be a lifetime to be a Nazarite. And the person making a vow got a say in it. If you wanted to become a Nazarite, you could say, hey, I want to become a Nazarite, and I'm going to do these things to show my vow before it. Samson doesn't get that opportunity. It's told before he's in the womb that this is who you're going to be. There are two other men in the Bible that are Nazarenes, okay? Or it, it, it doesn't say it specifically, but the instructions are given to them. It's pretty cool. I love these echoes in the text. All the Bible nerds in the house, this is for you, okay? So this is Samson. He's a Nazarite. And immediately following this story, it talks about how there's no king in the land. That's the following line after Samson. Samson, Nazarite, no king. Next Nazarite, Samuel. Samuel's given the Nazarite vow. What happens with Samuel? He gets, to, um, he gets to bless two kings of Israel, both Saul and David. Cool. Who's the next Nazarite? John the Baptist. Who does he get to mark as king of the nations? Jesus. So this is an early theme that is going to be set up in the course of Scripture over and over again. We don't want to miss it. He's not the best of the three. We're going to find that out within the story, right? We're not there yet. I do want to take a moment to talk about the messenger within the text because there's always so much confusing regarding the messenger within the text. He's referred to with three titles within our passage this morning. The angel of the Lord. The Lord there is Hebrew for Yahweh, so it's the angel of Yahweh. It's the direct name of God. The angel of God is the other name for him. That word God in there is the word Elohim within the text of Scripture. So you have the angel of Yahweh and the angel of Elohim. And then he's referred to later as the man, right? And this can be very confusing if you don't understand um, some basic angelology is what it's called. And so I'm going to kind of break down a theology of the angelic realm for you this morning. Not too, too much. The problem with when we talk about angels within the church, is that our English is very clunky. We use the same term for everything, okay? And it's very different within the text of Scripture. 
Um, plus, we come to it with preconceived notions of angels, don't we? We have very comedic ideas of what angels are because we see them on cartoons. And it's the same thing with demons. When we talk about demons, uh, it has very, like, they all have pitchforks and horns and a tail that's weird, right? Like, that, that's what we think. Um, and so I want to I kind of break down a little bit for you today so you better understand what happens here and what happens later on in Scripture. First is this, angel in the text of Scripture is a job title. So when you see angel in the text of Scripture, it's talking about a job title. This is a messenger from the Lord, okay? It's not a species. Too many times we think about angels as a species. It's a job, okay? There are specific... Um, spiritual beings, an angel is one of them. It's clear from the text of scripture that not all angels have wings, okay? Sorry to break it to you, okay? It's clear from the text of scripture that not all angels have wings. Many of them look like men, hence why he's referred to as a man later in our story, and Manoah doesn't even realize he's a spiritual being. Spiritual beings, we can tell from the text of scripture, can also be very physical, like, if you wanted to give an angel a high five if he was around, you could probably do it. You wouldn't, like, buzz through him. He's not Casper the Friendly Ghost, okay? How do we know this? Because later on, he's going to invite the angel to eat with him. Casper cannot eat food, right? You have to be physical to eat. And while this angel says, no, I'm not going to eat with you, the angels that appeared to Abraham in Genesis ate with him. So they are physical physical beings, or they at least can appear physical. The third thing is either they can control the amount of power emanating from them, or our faith can dictate our ability to see. What do I mean by this? The woman says in verse 6, right, that appearance is like an appearance of an angel of God. Very awesome. She noticed it right away. Either he was displaying something different when he showed himself to her, compared to Manoah, or her faith made it able for her to recognize that he was indeed of the angelic realm. We're going to see a Manoah has less faith and therefore thinks he's a man later on, but causation does not equal correlation. We don't know which one. It's not given to us in the text of scripture. Next point, this is in Hebrews. This is the New Testament. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels, messengers, unawares. This is not just an Old Testament concept. This seems to be a very post-Jesus possibility too. Many of us are convinced because we've grown up in the age of the Enlightenment that angels don't walk among with us today. But the text of scripture seems to paint a very different picture. I don't think this is the case. Too many Christians balk at any discuss discussion about anything supernatural, which ironically is what the world is obsessed with right now. Look at the media. Everyone is obsessed with the supernatural. And we're, many Christians are like, nah, it's not real. Our faith tells us it is. We should be like, oh, you're experiencing weird stuff? I can tell you more about that. Right? We know about the angelic realm. It's given to us. But as I talk to Christians, right, occasionally I'll ask if they've ever experienced anything otherworldly. And I can tell you from first-hand experience, I rarely get a no when I ask people that questions. We live in a spiritual world. We live in the midst of a spiritual war. And too many of us are completely ignorant of it. We cannot be. 
We should not be ignorant in even our participation in that war. We can clearly affect, it says elsewhere in Scripture, the things that are happening in the spiritual realm that we cannot see. That's why we wage war with our prayers. So why does an angel show up here in the story? The same reason angels show up everywhere else in the Bible, to deliver a message. And that message should point to the glory of Yahweh God. That's the second key feature. If they aren't pointing to Yahweh God, that spiritual being might be on a different team. Okay? Why am I spending time on this? If we don't understand the spiritual nature of the text of Scripture, we're going to miss a huge portion of it. Don't ignore the spiritual realm. Also, don't be obsessed with it. Too many people are obsessed with it. Don't be calling on worshiping spiritual beings. You can easily get an answer, and most of the time it's not from a spiritual being that you want an answer from. Is that clear? Just warning people of that. It's not just Halloween. I have to make this warning, okay? This is daily life. Okay, but there's a reason the angel is in the story for us. It, it's not just to talk about angels. It's to point to a greater reality within this text. Well, what's the greater reality of this section? The main summation, the summation, the main summation, words are hard. The main summation of this section is the woman's faith. There's no doubt given. She's like, okay, I can do this. And that's really something to marvel at. Not until Mary, the mother of Jesus, do we find such quick response of faith. And what does her faith lead her to do? She becomes a messenger. Once she has heard the message, she becomes a messenger. And she goes and tells her husband, Manoah. Well, AJ, I haven't had an angel show up at my door that I'm aware of. No, but you have the word of God. You have the message from God. What will you do with it? That's the application within this first section. What will you do with the message that you have been given? Here's the application. Carry the message. Carry the message. Not just in a bushel where you hide it in some corner, right? But share the message. When you get a message from God, you should do something with it. Too many of us are like, well, unless I hear it audibly, I can't carry the message. If you want to hear a message from God audibly, read your Bible out loud. Problem solved. When you get a message, move with it. Now, when we get to Manoah, it's going to be really easy to mock his lack of faith, right? Especially after we've seen just great faith from the wife. But let's be real. Every man in this room would be on the side of Manoah, right? Your wife comes running in, hon, I've seen an angel from the Lord. We're going to have a baby and I have to go on a special diet. I might have a little doubt too, right? Seems like, remember how I talked about earlier in the thing, the bigger the message, the harder it is to have faith or trust it. This is one of those opportunities where you can see Manoah going, hmm, this is interesting. We might all have doubts. Sometimes the message is hard to believe. 
And the next section shows Manoah wrestling with faith. If you could help me out again here, that would be great. We're going to start at verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, please, oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of the Lord came again to the woman as she sat in a field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life? What is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know what he was, that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that when your words come true, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask me my name, seeing it is wonderful? So we see here Manoah's battle of faith and doubt. Manoah's battle of faith and doubt take place throughout this text. In verse 8, Manoah asks God to send a messenger. I'm sure he wants to believe his wife, right? He truly does. He wouldn't ask for that if he didn't want to believe her. So he asked the Lord to send the man back so he can see with his own eyes, so he can hear with his own ears. And notice how immediately he doesn't claim it's an angel from the Lord. That's his wife terms. But he says, Lord, please let the man of God return. Probably what most of us would do in the very similar situation. But notice what the Lord does. Notice what the Lord does. Notice what the Lord does. He listens to the man of little faith. He listens to the man of little faith. For the Lord Yahweh, it is not a matter of amount of faith. It is the object of our faith that matters. For the Lord Yahweh, it is not a matter of the amount of faith. It is the object of our faith that matters. Manoah might struggle to believe, but he does believe. So the angel appears to his wife again, she fetches him, and Manoah starts peppering the man with questions. What is the child's manner of life, and what is his mission? Notice how the angel doesn't answer those questions. He just repeats the vow, speci vow specifics of what it means to be a Nazarene. What does that tell us? We are not promised the whole picture from God. We are not promised the whole picture from God. And we surely don't deserve the whole picture. But if you're like me, I want to know everything, right? I want it so bad. Please, Lord, tell me exactly how my life will go. Just give me the steps of it will take. I want to know. We want it. But Manoah's insistence of all the details is again related to faith. Here's the question. Can he trust the Lord with the life of his son? Can he trust the Lord with the life of his son? Notice how the question about his son's life are not about his safety. They're not about his holiness. 
They're not about whether they're gonna, he's going to seek after Yahweh. They're about his manner of life and his mission. Now, if you're like me, I sat there going, manner of life? What does that mean? Because it, it, it's a vague translation. The word manner in English is the word for justice in Hebrew. What will be his standard of life? What will be the basis of his morality? Which isn't that ironic that that's the word that they use. For he will be a judge. Same root word. It foreshadows what is coming within the text. If you read Hebrew. And mission that he will do. Manoah's question though doesn't seem to be about the God's glory. It seems to be about the glory that his son might receive. Again, this isn't a bad thing. It is a good thing. I think we all want good things for our kids, right? We all want good things for our children. But remember how we talked about idols are making good things ultimate things? It's a very thin line. We want our children to be successful. Yes. To what end? The answer should be to bring glory to God. That's what we should want and pray for our children. Lord, wherever you bring them in life, may they bring you glory. You know, one of my kids could be the president of the United States or could be an Olympic athlete. But if they don't know Jesus, what end? Their own glory? What will that get them at the end of the day? Outside maybe a spot in the history book. Application question one. Are you focused on ultimate things for your children or just worldly good things? Are you focused on ultimate things for your children or are you just focused on worldly good things? Now, I'm not saying don't pray for worldly good things for your kids. I am not saying that. But it, not, it should not be ultimate. If the only thing we're praying for our kids is their health and their success and their safety, but we're never praying for their very soul, we've missed the boat. We've missed the boat. So even if you have kids still in your home, or if you have kids that are outside and they're adults and they got their own kids, pray that they would bring glory to God. You see, Manoah's doubt is he's desiring his best for his children, but he desires pagan things. Look, about, look how he goes about seeking out, um, seeking out good things for his kids. In verse 15, he's asked to prepare a young goat for the man. And in verse 17, he asks for the man's name. Why does he do those two things? The commentary I'm reading says this, in that culture, feeding someone, a god or a person, meant they were obligated to you. Likewise, to know someone's name, verse 17, was to know their character. It established a relationship with duties on both sides. You see, Manoah is still trying to get the man to tell him what to do in regards to his son. And so he goes through pagan practices to try to get it. Hence why the angel of the Lord refuses and asks a question on, of his own right? The angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Weird response, right? Weird response, guys. Next time you ask a lady, a lady asks for your name, drop this one in response and see if you get a phone number, right? This is a weird response. Why do you ask my name, seeing it's wonderful? 
I think the New English translation gives us a clearer picture of what he is asking, and it's this. The angel of the Lord said to him, you should not ask me my name because you cannot comprehend it. It is of the spiritual realm. My character and who I am, you cannot grasp yet. That's what he's telling him in the text of Scripture. He is giving Manoah a hint that his wife is indeed right. That he is a messenger of the Most High God. That where he comes, Manoah cannot comprehend that it's wonderful. But again, we see Manoah's faith at play here, in the midst of doubt. He does what the angel of the Lord says. He gives sacrifice to the Lord. This should be commended. Don't miss this. So many people are overcome with doubt in their faith journey that they become agnostic in their pursuit of truth. They become lazy. Doubt should be the catalyst in our pursuit of truth. Doubt should be the catalyst in our pursuit of truth. So my application question number two for you is this. When you doubt, what is your response? When you doubt, what is your response? For far too many people, it's laziness. But for Manoah, he puts a sacrifice on a rock. The same thing Gideon did. Again, the echo. And the angel returns to the Lord as the sacrifice works towards heaven. We see this in Judges 13, 20 through 25. Let's see what happens. And when the flame went up towards heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. Good move, right? Oh, it was for real. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of Yahweh. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die. For we have seen God. Again, see the doubt. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to us such these things. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahana Dan, between Zorah and Eshtol. We see here the submission to the messenger. We see here the submission to the messenger. Notice how this is the first time Manoah understands who the messenger is. It's an angel from the Lord. And he immediately drops. It isn't the fir- it's the first time in the text that it's done by anyone. We didn't actually see this earlier with his wife when it happened, but Manoah realizes the danger. I think verse 22 here is also poorly translated because it, we miss it, Right? So verse 13, 22, and Manoah said to his wife, we surely shall die for we have seen God. And they put a big G here. I don't think that big G is is the case. The word God in the text of scripture is Elohim. Everyone say Elohim. Elohim. Wow, you know Hebrew. You get to go home, you get to brag about that to your kids or to your parents, right? Elohim. So Elohim can refer to Yahweh God. It often does within the text of scripture. But often, it's just the title for spiritual beings. Often, it's just the title for spiritual beings. So it is a spiritual being. Um, The Lord, in verse 23, is directly at Yahweh, while at verse 22, it just seems to be the spiritual creature. Manoah here still does not understand what has happened. He is confusing the messenger with the message. He does have pagan roots. And some of that has to do with his doubt. But notice the faith of his wife. In verse 23, she confronts Manoah, comforts Manoah. She gets it. 
And I can see her say these words with a smile, right, as she comforts his wife. She's going to have a son, and it's going to be a Nazarite. She's so excited. That's why she can say that with a smile. But it isn't all kicks and giggles. Well, maybe for the pregnancy for her it is, right? But they call his name Samson, which means little son, after a pagan god. (laughs) It's concerning that a future judge of Israel would be named after a pagan god. Especially if he's a forerunner for Jesus, the very son of God. And yet, and yet, even in the midst, a pagan idea, a pagan idea, a pagan practice, pagan practice, pagan name. What do we see the Lord do? And the young man, that's Samson, and the, grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him and Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtol. Look, we're on the other side of Samson's life. Most of us have read the children's literature, so we know how the story ends. It's not good, right? But this verse seems to be giving us hope. Is Yahweh just like leading us on here? Is he just trying to put together a good story for us? No! He's proclaiming something that you and I need to hold on to with all our being. It's teaching us a very beautiful lesson, okay? This is the message he's sending. God is at work for and through his flawed people. God is at work for and through his flawed people. You might have great doubt and little faith like Manoah. You might have more pagan ideas than you have Christian ideas because of the culture we live in. You might even desire worldly things for your children and not kingdom things for your children. And yet, God can and still will use you if the Spirit of God dwells within you. That is the beauty of the true judge that has come in the life of Manoah and his wife and the true judge that has come in our lives. Jesus knows that you and I are screw-ups. We don't got to hide it, right? We don't got to put on a face for Jesus that says, I got all my life together, Lord, now I can come to church. If you think that, let's have a talk after church. I'll make you feel really bad about yourself. Okay. We're all screw-ups, and you could argue outside the Son of God, Jesus, it is exclusively screwed-up people that the Lord uses to advance his kingdom for his glory and for your good. Amen? That gives me great hope. Pastoring a church, right? You think, Lord, how can you use me? And a lot of you, for some reason or the other, think I'm like super righteous, right? He's got it all together. Talk to her, right? <laughs> Three minutes with Corey, you'll be like, okay, I'm going to pray for my pastor a lot more. God uses screwed up people. Praise God. He can use me. And if that means if he can use me, he can use you. If you've got certain things in your past that you're not very happy about, he can still use you. If things have been done to you that have really just affected your life, you've gone through major trauma, he can still use you. If you've indulged in the worst of sins and yet have repented and turned to God, he can still use you. Think about it. David, murdering adulterer. 
God could still use him. Saul, who then became Paul, terrorized people and more than likely killed them, led in their killing, did it with a smile, and God could still use him. Matthew, a tax collector. I mean, they're the worst, aren't they, right? We still have to reach out to people who work for the IRS. Chill down. Yeah, chill out. But he can use who he chooses for his glory and for your good. Which means if you're here today and part of the church, breathe in, breathe out. He can use you. The question is, how will he? How will he use you in the days ahead? And if you're here and you're not part of the church, you've not given your life to Jesus, you're not born again, I pray that it's not because you think you have to have your life all together before you can come to Jesus. It's not how this works. It's not how this works. The work of Christ on your behalf makes you righteous before the King of kings and Lord of lords. That means all you need to do is repent and believe the gospel. And the joy that is offered to the children of God can be yours. The shalom that is offered to the children of God can be yours, not just in the next life, but actually in this one. Through the good things that come in this life and the trials that come in this life. If you don't know Jesus and you want that joy, you want that shalom, you want that peace, talk to me, talk to Pastor Jack after service. May today be the day that new life happens and you understand the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Bow your heads with me.